Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church asks us to reflect upon the great feast of the Transfiguration. Now, if you look at Matthew's Gospel, there are three great mountain scenes. The first is the Sermon on the Mount. The second is Mount Tabor, in which we read from for today's Gospel. And the third is Mount Calvary. Now, these three mountain scenes essentially represent great events in Jesus's ministry and life. And therefore, Matthew, I think, intentionally is telling us, in fact, he's reaching out and grabbing us, that we need to pay attention to these mountain scenes. We'll take the first one. Jesus, he climbs the Mount Beatitudes, and he explains the whole spiritual program for us. He lays out the blueprint to Christianity and how we are to live it out. Today, he climbs Mount Tabor and is miraculously transfigured before his apostles. And we see the glory of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Finally, Calvary, Jesus, he climbs Mount Calvary and then mounts the cross to sacrifice himself to bring about the salvation of this world. Now, the transfiguration that we read from today, what is it about that light and how often in the Bible do we see there's an association between that intense, transcendent light that comes from heaven, as well as holy people, especially our biblical heroes? I'll give you some examples. Just last week, in our weekday masses, we've been reading from Exodus. And part of the story of Exodus is Moses is on top of Mount Sinai. For 40 days and 40 nights, talking with God the entire time. Finally, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Now Moses makes his way down Mount Sinai, and the Israelites are astonished that they look at Moses. His hair and his face are dazzling white. In fact, they're so radiant that they can't look at Moses face to face. They have to put a veil over his head in order to communicate with him. Well, where else do we see that transcendent light from heaven breaking into this world? Well, look at Saul on his road to Damascus. As it says, he's struck down from his horse by a bolt of lightning. And then it says in Acts of the Apostles, A light of heaven flashed around him, and he heard a voice from the light say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, it doesn't stop there. We see pictures or paintings of saints, and they all have that halo, that transcendent light above their heads, depicting their holiness. So what do we make of this, of this powerful light from heaven, especially in light of reading the Transfiguration for this weekend? Well, turn to Thomas Aquinas. 
Thomas says, Jesus was transfigured to allow the apostles to see the beauty of the goal. Now the apostles, they saw the glory of heaven breaking through into our world and illuminating Jesus Christ. And that gave them the confidence, the motivation to continue to be a follower of Christ. But also, too, to continue the work of Christ after Jesus ascended back into heaven. Now the mission was upon the shoulders of the apostles, and it wasn't going to be easy. They were going to face challenges and difficulties. They needed motivation. Therefore, they needed to see a glimpse of the goal. Now, I would argue in certain great moments, the intensity of heaven shines through our world, and we see the beautiful world that awaits us all. And just like the apostles, now that we have caught a glimpse of the goal, we can face our struggles and our challenges in living out our faith. Now, where else do we see that transcendent light among us in our worship? Every time we gather for Mass, whether it's on the weekday or weekend, transfiguration, you could say, is an icon. It's a beautiful portrait of right worship for us. Now, go back to that story. Jesus Christ is transfigured miraculously in front of the apostles, what's the first thing the apostles do? They fall to their knees. It's an attitude of right worship. Worship is the acknowledgement of God's transcendence. And so the apostles know they're in the presence of God, and therefore they fall down in humility. Well, go to our liturgy, our Mass. You know, don't we do the same thing? You know, we fall to our knees you know, in light of the transcendence of God now in our midst. That's what we do at the beginning of the consecration. The story of the transfiguration really reminds us what really takes place at our Mass, in which we encounter the light of heaven breaking into our world. Now, what I want to do in the final few minutes of my homily is talk about the story of the transfiguration and how it is so similar to what we do and say throughout our Mass. Now, next in the story, Jesus is essentially conversing to two people standing on either side of him. It's Moses and Elijah. They are alive, and they're talking to Jesus. Now, realize these men have been dead for centuries on end, and yet now they're alive, seen by the apostles. So, it begs the question, why these two people? Of all the people Jesus could have talked to, it's these two. Well, Moses represents the law. And remember, the law meant everything to the Israelites. It gave them their identity. It told them how to be in a right relationship with God. And remember, the law was the main source of argument between Jesus and the Pharisees. The Pharisees knew or thought they knew better in interpreting the law. Elijah is the greatest of all the prophets, and the prophets essentially were the spokespersons for God in the world. Therefore, the two represent all of God's Old Testament revelation, and now Jesus is illuminating them. And so he's telling his apostles and us just how important it is for us to understand the prophets as well as the law. Now go back to our Mass. What's the first part of our Mass? After the opening prayer, we all sit down and we read and listen to 
the law and the prophets. In, Je- in doing so, Jesus, he opens up our minds to understand just how important they are. Take it to a deeper level. Moses and Elijah represent the communion of saints. Now, as I've said before, both have been dead for centuries and centuries before Jesus was even born. And yet now they're seen alive and talking to Christ. What we have to believe is every time we gather for Mass, we're not alone. The communion of saints are with us, just like they were with Jesus on top of that mountain. They're present and all around us at Mass. And we acknowledge their presence in our prayers. I'll give you a great example. Right before we launch into the Holy Holy, the priest will say, We blend our voices with all the saints and the angels as we acclaim. Well, not only are the communion of saints with us, but the angels are with us too, recognizing their presence as well as their right worship with us. Part of the Eucharistic prayer after the consecration, the priest will acknowledge the presence of Mary, Joseph, and all the saints. And so, whenever we gather for Mass, we worship together in the great communion of saints, realizing these are not some distant figures that died a long time ago. No, these people are alive and present to us as we worship our Lord. Now, what else is seen in this story? Well, the Holy Trinity. Here we have the Son, Jesus Christ, present. The cloud represents the Holy Spirit, and the voice from the cloud is the Father, who says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. And so we see all three persons of the Holy Trinity present in this story. Well, at Mass, yes, we are surrounded by the communion of saints, as well as the angels, but we also stand in the presence of the Holy Trinity. And we acknowledge the presence of the Holy Trinity, all three persons of God, at the very beginning of Mass. That's why we sign ourselves in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We recognize their presence. But it doesn't stop there. If you look at the prayers, all the prayers throughout our Mass, we're always praying to all three persons. We always pray to the Father, through the Son, in union with the Holy Spirit. We never just pray to one person of the Trinity. No, we pray to all three, because all three are present at our Mass. One last thing to think about, Peter. Peter wants to stay on that mountaintop. He doesn't want to leave. He says to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will create three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now stop and think. We can't blame Peter. I know I wouldn't. If I was on top of that mountain, I would never want to leave. Why? Because we see everything. We see the light of heaven breaking into this world and illuminating Jesus. We see the communion of saints alive in the form of Moses and Elijah. And better yet, we see the Holy Trinity present in our midst. And yet, what does Jesus say? No, we must continue on. Why is that? Because Jesus knew his destiny was not to stay on that mountaintop. Instead, it was to continue to Jerusalem. That's where his destiny lied, to mount the cross and be the great sacrifice 
to bring about the salvation of the world. Well, the same thing holds true with us. You know, at the very end of Mass, the priest or the deacon will say, Go now to love and serve the Lord. Well, we can, because we, like the apostles, we have seen everything. We've caught a glimpse of the goal. Therefore, we must continue to walk our faith journey. We can't stay in church where Mass has been performed. Instead, we have to go outside. That's where our mission is, to live out our faith to the best of our abilities every day of our life. That's where our mission is, outside. And yet we can do it. Now we're motivated. We have the courage and the conviction, and given what we've seen, to live out our faith, despite the challenges or the hardships. Friends, strongly encourage you, take some time this week. Reread the story of the transfiguration from Matthew's Gospel. I would argue, every time we come to Mass, we live into or we live out this story of the transfiguration. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.